0: Uh, the, the uh, degree of isolation that they've experienced there. And I know that there are folks at home who um, have been out of circulation uh, here because of COVID and particularly people with uh, medical uh, situations where you're just not able to be in circulation. And so we miss you. And we were able to recently go visit uh, one of those uh, good folks in our church, Steve Valsamis. And while we were there visiting with him, Uh, We recorded him reading this morning's text, so by video. Steve, if you're watching this morning, we love you and miss you. And uh, let's hear Steve read God's word to us this morning.
1: 6 through 13. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of man, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God, that he has come, that he has born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe in God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life.
0: Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a speaking God. You are there and you are not silent. We thank you that it's the unfolding of your word that gives light. And we pause, having just heard your word, we pause before the preaching of this word to acknowledge our need for you to give us light and our confidence in you that you have done that and you will do that. Give us light through 1 John 5, 6 to 13, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Jenna and I did not coordinate this, but I have a jury duty story that I want to start (laughs) with. I've been called to jury duty a number of times. One time I, I was actually selected onto a jury and um, we, you know, we get impaneled, and there's this uh, trial. It was a short affair because um, it was a, a drunk driving charge. And um, so if you've ever been on a jury or been in a courtroom, you know how it works. The uh, judge directs things and then there's points where there are people that are sworn in Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God? And they say, I do. And then they give their testimony, right? And so there were several people that gave testimony. I think the police officer gave testimony. There were some questions about the breathalyzer. So somebody gave testimony about the breathalyzer, and the defendant gave his testimony. And then we were dismissed, and uh, we went back to the juror's room, and it seemed... Pretty straightforward. The guy was drunk and should be convicted. And 11 of us thought that. And one person didn't. That person did not believe the testimony of the police officer and the other experts. That person only believed the testimony of the defendant. And so we had this disagreement about testimony. And we, after a number of hours, couldn't resolve it and um, ended with a hung jury. Why do I tell that story? as we open this passage? Well, because this passage is about testimony. If you noticed as the passage was being read, the key word in this passage, two of them, testify and testimony, occur a bunch of times in this little passage. So did you know that God testifies? Did you know that God gives testimony for people to hear, and then we're left like those jurors. What are we going to do with that testimony? Will we believe it or not? What is God's testimony? So here in this passage, we have testimony from God about two things, about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and about Christians. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a disciple, there is testimony here about you. What is, what is that testimony? Well, the testimony is that you, believer, have eternal life. Beloved brothers and sisters, God wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. This is a message about assurance, the assurance to the believer that you have eternal life, that you've been born of God and belong to him. This is a letter about assurance. Now, as as a Christian, I want to ask you a question. How does the reality of the assurance of faith that's offered in a passage like this, how does this affect you? How often do you think about this? Is it kind of meh? That's nice. For some, I know this is a daily and severe struggle to come into that assurance. For others, there's a sense of a false assurance that perhaps that individual shouldn't really have. But I think there are many Christians, maybe you can resonate with, with my experience this week as I was praying about this passage and and, and studying it and meditating over it. I, I realized, you know, I know that I have assurance but it doesn't really make much difference day to day for me. Not really doing much in my life. As I've thought about this and spoken with some of you about this passage this week, I have a growing conviction and that is this. If we don't live in the good of assurance, we will be poorer as believers. If we don't live in the good of assurance, we'll be robbed of thankfulness for what God has done. If we don't live in the good of assurance, we'll be robbed of hope for the future and robbed of a fearlessness for life in the world today. Beloved, here's the simple call from the passage today. God wants you to know that you have eternal life and to know beyond a shadow of a doubt and to know in a way that makes a difference. So let's, let's walk through the passage. Just two points, I think, uh, open up this text for us this morning. First, listen to God's testimony about Jesus. Now, the reason for this letter is that there had been, this is a letter not to one person, but to a, a group of, of churches probably in, in West, what's now Western Turkey. And there had been false teachers and false prophets, John calls them, in these churches teaching uh, strange and untrue things. And um, they had eventually left the churches and left the churches in, in some turmoil. And one of the things that they taught was about Jesus. They taught that Jesus, it would seem, didn't really come in the flesh. There may have been some person called Jesus, but maybe it was not really truly a human being. It wasn't a a, a human body. It wasn't a a humanity like ours. And so now John is reviewing one more time, using the idea of testimony, the reality that Jesus came in the flesh, these realities about Jesus. And as he's, he's doing this, he's doing it sort of through the lens of testimony. So he starts off with testimony from water Testimony from blood and testimony from the Spirit. Look back at verse 6 with me, please. This is he, the Son of God, Jesus, who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. What in the world is he talking about? I can't read your thought bubbles, but I can guess. I, I can't wait for Pastor Mark to explain this one. What does this mean? He came by water and blood. I wanna say, that's a good question. I'm not completely sure. There have been a whole range of answers given through church history. Water and blood mean birth, Jesus' birth and death. Water and blood mean the sacraments of baptism and communion. Water and blood mean John 20. Pierced by the sword, water and blood came out. Water and blood mean Jesus' baptism and Jesus' crucifixion. Water and blood mean Jesus baptizing others and Jesus' crucifixion. Lots of choices. When I look at the text and I think about what John wrote for us in his gospel, it seems to me that the most likely answer that he's giving here in the context of the problem there with these churches is that to say Jesus came not by water only, but by water and the blood. Well, starting point is I think there's an affirmation of the humanity of Jesus that he's giving here because of the context of those who are denying that. But I think particularly he's most likely referring to back with the water to the waters of Jesus' baptism. Holding this lightly, but I, I, I think this is the case. So let me just read for you John 1, to 34, uh, uh, so, some, of the, some of this passage. It says, the next day, John the Baptist, he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of this world. For this purpose, I, John the Baptist, came baptizing with water, there it is, that he... Jesus might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, this is John the Baptist, saying, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove. When did that happen? At Jesus' baptism in the water, okay? I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. And I have seen and have borne witness, there's that testimony language, that this is the Son of God. So John the Baptist is saying, there's a testimony of Jesus being the son that happened at, his, at the waters of his baptism. Jesus came by water. Just like everybody else that got baptized by John, he got wet. Maybe he shivered when he came out of the water. John couldn't hold him under the water too long because he needed oxygen. He was just like everybody else. He came by water. And yet he wasn't just like everybody else because when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him and remained upon him. And this is the empowering work of the Holy Spirit at the beginning of his public ministry. Jesus came by water and he was baptized by John, but unlike everybody else who was baptized, he did not need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins because he had no sins. And yet he was Baptized in solidarity with the rest of us, signaling that he was coming to be one of us and eventually to be the sin. Bearer. So, witness number one is the water. He came by water, and the water is testifying to his full humanity, his identification with us as human beings. John says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away." John the Baptist says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." Did Jesus take away the sin of the world at his baptism? No. That comes later. That's the second witness. Remember, at the cross. Crown of thorns, nails through his hands and feet, bleeding, and that blood is symbolic evidence of his death on our behalf, as we were singing about this morning. John writes in his letter, 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin as we confessed our sins corporately this morning once again we receive that ongoing forgiveness it's always through the blood of Jesus Christ so witness number two is he came by blood he gave up his life shed his blood, he gave up his life so that people who believe in him could be born of God, as Justin preached to us last week from verse 1 of chapter 5. Could have new life. So, came by water, full humanity, one of us came by blood, sacrificial death on the cross. Witness number three, the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Now what is the Spirit testifying about? What does the Spirit have to say? We're not told explicitly here, but John records what Jesus says about the Spirit and his testimony back in John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 26. When the Helper comes, whom I, Jesus, will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he's going to do something. What is it? He will bear witness about who? About Jesus. So Jesus is saying when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to be a testifier. He's going to be a witness. He's going to have testimony to give, and that testimony will be like a spotlight that highlights and shines the light over and over on Jesus. That's His spotlight ministry. So the Holy Spirit comes and gives us this new birth. We're able to be born of God by the power of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit witnesses in our hearts that that gospel that we're hearing is something to hear and and respond to, and then he continues to witness in our hearts that we belong to God, that Jesus Christ is our Redeemer and Savior. There's this inner witness of the Spirit testifying to us that we are his. So I want to ask you this morning, do you know that testimony on the inside, that subjective inner sense of the Spirit's speaking to you? Do you know that? It's part of the inheritance that we receive this side of the new creation, that the Spirit comes to assure us, remind us, and encourage us. Maybe you've got to just a nudge, a sense of an urge to pray sometime this week. Maybe you were in trouble or there was someone else. That's the Spirit's testimony. Do you recognize that in you? Maybe you read your Bible and something came alive. Ever had that happen? There's only one way that can happen. That's the Spirit's testimony. Maybe you had this experience of joy being able to sing with other Christians. This week, yesterday, I just experienced this sense of conviction from the Spirit. I had full weekend, Simeon Trust yesterday morning, RGCU, Embodied class this morning, preaching, and when I come into weekends like this, I can become very anxious, sinfully anxious. And the Spirit just so helped me yesterday morning. I was just having my devotions, and, and I just had this thought, these words kind of came in there. Why is the question in your mind, I wonder if God's going to come through this weekend, as though there's an uncertainty about that, rather than I wonder how God's going to come through this weekend. And there was just this wonder, that's the Spirit's testimony. It's like, right, Lord, that's unbelief. How, when have you ever not come through? Of course you're going to come through. That's who you are. So the Spirit is testifying to us that we belong to Christ and making us more like Christ. So the idea here is, listen, you're used to, to hearing testimony from different people about various things, how much more then should we listen to the testimony that God gives us about the most important things? And he sort of, if you skip ahead to verse 11, gives us the summary of this testimony. Verse 11, and this is the testimony. First, that God gave us eternal life. And second, that this life is in his son. So can you see what's happening here? slow down for just a second. Let's just, let's just pull up to a higher level and look down. And see. Do, you, do you know what's happening here? John, Pastor John, is reviewing with these churches once more just the basics of the gospel. If you've been a Christian for a while, you probably already know everything that's in these verses. If you're a new Christian, this may be wonderful and glorious new truth for you. But if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you, you, you may have heard this many, many times. And that's the point. Sometimes we think the gospel is for unbelievers and discipleship is for Christians, like there's two different things. But John is teaching us here that the gospel is for Christians, too. Every Christian needs the gospel every day. We never move beyond the gospel. The gospel is for Christians, so we need to know what it is. We need to know what its benefits are. We want to know the God of the gospel. And then we go into our lives and into our world as ambassadors for him, keeping God's commands. So brothers and sisters, we need the gospel every day. We want to tune our hearts and ears to hear God's grace and gracious story of redemption constantly. Let us share this with one another. Sing it with one another read it and, and, and refresh our souls in it in our Bibles. So we listen to God's testimony about Jesus, and then we listen to God's testimony about us. Look back in verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God, just slow down. Is that you? Do you believe in the Son of God? So this is for you now. You know, John has a way of boiling things down, doesn't he? Just gets down to the basics. Two kinds of people in the world. Let's keep it simple, he says. There's, there are people who believe in the Son of God and there are people who don't. There are people who have the Son and there are people who don't. He's saying, look, they're, on the road of life, there's two groups of people and they're headed in opposite directions. Right? And so... He's saying there are people who believe and the spirits that work inside of them and there are people who don't believe and in their disbelief they're calling God a liar. There are people who have the son. This eternal life is in them and his life is working inside you and there are people who don't have the son and so they're alive but almost sort of in this zombie-like condition. Alive going through life but without eternal life In them, this other kind of life, the kingdom of God kind of life. Now, to modern ears, this can sound very offensive. It's intolerant. It's exclusive. We live in a time when it's common for people to say things like, well, all religions teach the same thing, right? We're just supposed to love one another. Aren't all people basically good? Won't all people end up in heaven? Don't all roads sort of lead to the same however you get there Buddhism, Islam, New age, doesn't matter we're all heading in the same direction. But God's word to us is whoever has the son has life and whoever does not have the son does not have life. there is an exclusivity here and, and this isn't an idea that John dreamed up. this is Jesus' teaching. Jesus comes He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the, notice the next word, life. There it is. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, through the one who came by water and blood. So God is testifying here. What will you do with this testimony? The person who rejects this testimony Testimony that Jesus is the Son of God is in effect saying God's actually not telling the truth. God's, God's committing perjury by proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah. John presses this home for these Christians because they'd been rattled by the turmoil they'd experienced in their church. And he wants them to have this assurance this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. Hear me. If you're the kind of person who believes in Jesus Christ and who loves the saints and who keeps God's commands, you're the kind of person who has eternal life. And you think, but I don't do that perfectly. I fail constantly. If you're the kind of person who wishes you could stop sinning, who regrets it when you do, turns to God for forgiveness and cleansing, looks to Jesus to be your advocate, you're the kind of person who has eternal life. This is God's word to you. I I wanna just slow down here. I I wanna ask, if you're taking notes, maybe just put your pen down. If if your phone's on, just turn your devices off. Just just slow down. Uh, What does it mean, brothers and sisters, to have eternal life? What is that? Listen. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest. Do you know what eternal life is? Eternal life is a person named Jesus Christ. It's not just something you get from a shelf somewhere. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of that life. The life was made manifest. If you have eternal life, you have Christ and the life of Christ is in you. Listen, eternal life is unstoppable and never ending. You cannot kill eternal life. And that eternal life not only goes on forever, that eternal life is the kind of life that's found in the age to come that's invaded our world here today. So I want to ask you this morning, do you think about heaven? Do you think about the age to come? Do you think about the new creation? New Jerusalem, the time and the place where every nation, tribe, and tongue will be gathered together worshiping and serving God. Let me just fill your imaginations with a few words from Revelation 22. They're not gonna be on the screen. I Just wanna encourage you to listen. If it helps you even to close your eyes, these are God's words about what's coming, about what's wrapped up in the eternal life of the age to come. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This is apocalyptic writing. It's theology by picture. Can you see this scene? There's this river flowing from God's throne. It's a river of the water of life. See, Jesus came to that woman at the well. He said, if you would have asked me, I would have given you living water. Here's this living water in a never-ceasing, always-flowing river right through the middle of the city. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. And there's this tree of life, 12 kinds of fruit. There's a fruit of the month club in eternity. I wonder which month mangoes are going to be. I can't wait. Peaches, oh, a whole month. What's the fruit going to be like? Here's this delightful, never-get-tired-of-it, life-giving tree on both sides of the river, the apocalyptic imagery. And I love what it says about its leaves. Did you catch that? What are its leaves for? Oh, think of this. The healing of the nations. Any nations need healing today? North and South Korea, Russia and Ukraine? How about Haiti? Famine, poor, poverty, gangs, earthquakes. How about our country? How about all the anger, indignation, separation, polarization? We're in Black History Month, can you imagine racism gone? All the ethnicities of the world united in Christ, harmony. The leaves of the tree are for the healing. Of the nations, now, I'm not saying every political nation, as it stands now, is going to just be transported into heaven, but I am saying that there will be representatives from every nation, tribe and tongue there in the new creation, and there will be healing from all that ails us now: cancer, COVID, God. Hungry children, fed, abortion, murder, gone. Can you see it? That's eternal life. That tree of life, that, that ring any bells for you if you've read first part of the Bible? Remember back in Genesis 2... The tree of life comes into view with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right in the middle of the garden. And then when Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden fruit from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do you remember what happened? Do you remember what it says in Genesis 3? Here's what it says. Listen. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And they went out from the garden, and they died. And death was ushered into the world and into civilization, and there was no way back to the tree of life. Cherubim and a flaming sword. Jesus comes along. And you know what he says? He says, I am the resurrection and the the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Can you see what's happening? He's saying, I am opening the way to the tree of life. He's saying, I am the tree of life. Eat this bread that is me and you will live forever. Brothers and sisters, the flaming sword guarding the way to the tree of life has been removed. The way is open and eternal life is yours. Isn't that amazing? God's testimony to you, disciple of Jesus, is that you have eternal life. Oh, let this sink in. Work this in your soul. Talk about this with your friends. If you can get a hold of this, if you know that you have eternal life, you will not need to fear COVID. You won't. There'll be a way out of that fear. You won't need to fear death. Fears like that come. Something greater comes. Fear not, I am with you. Who's with me? Eternal life is with me. The one who says, if I'm in him and he's in me, I can never die. That one is with me. See what that does to fear. If you get a hold of this, whatever you're worrying about next week, next month, next year, if you can get a hold of this and you can see this Jesus is the one who will be there then and then and then and then and then, oh, you'll find hope where there's worry now. This is a game changer. You have eternal life. It was given to you by God, so you can't lose it. He won't change his mind about you. If you can get a hold of this, you'll have a joyful hope about your life because you'll understand that you can't lose what matters most. And the best really is yet to come. If you can get a hold of this, you won't be seduced by the empty promises of this world. Instead, you'll lay up treasure in heaven. Because you know, that's where your life is. That's where you're headed. Beloved, God wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. And if you don't know this Jesus this way, oh, come to him, turn to him, call out to him. And if you, if you believe you are a believer, but you struggle with this assurance, don't struggle alone. There's a community here that would love to help you Grow in the peace and the joy and the hope of this assurance. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I preach these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you and you and you and you, this is for you, that you may not just hope, wonder, wish, know that you have eternal life. May the Spirit work these things in our hearts to enable us to live in the good of this wonderful assurance. We're going to transition to the Lord's Supper now. If you didn't get a chance to get the elements before, go ahead and grab them now. There's tables in the back, upstairs. I thought before we receive these elements, as we are here, gathered together with the Spirit amongst us and the Word working here, I thought let's take a f- just a few moments for some quiet reflection on what we've just heard. Maybe, maybe there's something going on inside you and you want to give thanks to God. Maybe there's a care that you want to cast up to the Lord. Maybe there's someone you want to pray for. Maybe there's something to repent of. Let's just let the Word do its work and respond just quietly. Take the next minute or so and then I'll, I'll call you back together and we'll, we'll share in the Lord's Supper together. Father, thank you for your testimony, that there's life in Christ, and in Christ we have eternal life. Amen. As we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper, this is a family meal for those who've come to follow Jesus, and if you're a follower of Christ, welcome you to participate. If you're not a follower of Christ yet, this is a wonderful opportunity to just give some reflection to who you are, where you're going, and this testimony about Jesus. So I take the bread. I want to remind you of the tree of life. Take and eat in the name of the one who is life. And the cup. I want to encourage you to take and drink in the assurance that one day you will eat and drink at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's coming. If you would please stand. Let's sing. built on nothing and Jesus blood and righteousness I did not trust the sweetest frame. His lovely face, I rest on his unchanging